couldn't think of a better place to end the street in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kuja with the triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Do you remember in the offseason when people picked Miami to win the Coastal? After giving up their eighth turnover to f***ing Duke, they forever retired the turnover chain. Clemson is 8-0, and life is good. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Cody. We are here to recap the Syracuse victory and also to do a bit of a mid-season check-in on the Clemson football season. Um, guys, got to tell you, pretty fun, fun game this last Saturday. Um, appreciate everyone having patience with us getting this show up a little bit late in the week. Um, I myself traveled to Clemson for the game. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate you guys waiting for me to get back before we could record this episode. Um, my voice is back. Uh, it was hoarse for a couple of days after the football game. Um, it was my first home game since Louisville in 2016. Been to a couple of Clemson games since then, um, road games or you know neutral sites. But um, good to get back. Good to get that win against Syracuse. And I'm um, happy to be here to break this down with you guys. Yeah, what a odd game. It's like no, it's like neither team wanted to win it, um, depending on which half you were watching. Um, Clemson giving the ball away uh, so often in the first half. Um, and then, you know, Syracuse with the penalties in the second half that really stymied them. Um, so when I went back on the rewatch, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, Syracuse lost this game as opposed to Clemson winning it. But then I think about those turnovers and I'm like, well, that's, those are mistakes just as, you know, just as well. So, um, in the end, all things even out, Clemson comes away with a six point victory, which is a little bit disappointing because, um, after Syracuse went up like 14 to seven, I took Clemson at minus six and a half, but I'll take the victory. That was that was a good bet, Ben. I think we should have put up more points. I think it should have been a wider margin of victory. But I agree. Um, Cody, what do you think? Uh, kind of going through this game, just high level. This game could have easily have been a Clemson blowout. Let's say forty-two to seven. Like it, it could have went that way. And and DJ, like, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the game. I was in the mountains, so I had to watch it. And I was trying to watch it. Internet was gone, so I watched the the replay of it. Um, so I didn't I didn't get to watch it with the same raw emotion that you guys watched it with because you didn't know what the heck was going to happen. I knew Clemson had won. So with less emotion, I'm watching the game and I'm I'm watching all through the first quarter and I'm waiting for DJ to start unraveling and like because I knew he had gotten benched and I'm like the, the whole time I'm like he actually performed fairly well uh, throughout the first quarter. You know there were some there were some mistakes but and some stalled out drives but he no signs in that first quarter of like him unraveling. So again, it, it could have easily been 42 to seven and we could talk more depth about his performance and what we take from that, but. Yeah. I'll leave it there. Yeah, no, sounds good. I mean, um, I think on paper, you know, what Clemson did in its drives, what Syracuse did on their drives when they scored points, short fields as a result of some turnovers, wasn't just on DJ. Um, the offense stalled, had a turnover on downs. Will Shipley obviously fumbled the ball. 
Um, so plenty of mistakes. Um, but I, I will say, guys, I mean, I felt like Syracuse was a pretty well-coached team. Yes, they had some penalties in the second half. Uh, there's a lot of first half holding calls that continue to not be called against Clemson's uh, or against, uh, you know, opposing O-linemen against Clemson's stout defensive line. That's nothing new. Um, I thought Syracuse was probably pretty worthy of their ranking coming into this game. But Cody, I share your sentiment that Clemson was clearly outmatching Syracuse in most aspects of this game. It was just that turnovers kept giving them a short field, kept, you know, that there was that like you know, opportunity cost of Clemson leaving points on the board. Obviously you got a fumble recovery return for a touchdown. That's a quick flip of, you know, a 14 point swing right away there. Um, and that, that just really set the tone. I'll tell you guys, I mean, you probably recognize it on the broadcast I mean, that it did deflate the death Valley crowd somewhat, but you didn't really go more than a couple plays into the next drive before the crowd really got right back into the game and amped up. And, um, you know, a lot of false starts in this game. So I will say it was a really great environment for considering it was a noon game. Um, I thought the crowd brought it. Yeah, it's it's odd because it may be all the shots I started taking at halftime, um, which was like 1030 in the morning out here, by the way. Um, But I still never really felt like Clemson wasn't going to win the game. Now, had Cade not come in and put together that first touchdown drive. Um, that was probably the moment that I would have started worrying just because time was running off the clock. You're like, okay, we're down to our second string quarterback. What can he do if he leads a stalled drive, which was almost a stalled drive? Um, then I start getting pretty concerned and realizing this offense just isn't going to put anything together. Um, but I still felt pretty confident. And part of it was because I didn't think Syracuse was doing anything great on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Garrett Schrader, who's a pretty good quarterback, by the way, I've been really impressed this year by the quarterback play throughout the ACC, which historically has been a pretty good conference for, for quarterback play. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed by him. Um, but the defense was able to lock down. They stuffed um sean tucker even though he averaged 10.8 yards a carry um he's only had five carries for 54 yards in this game and then once they they got to locking down schrader um i there is the narrative out there the defense really came in and locked down the second half you know they 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 caused those six punts in a row points yeah um, in in zero points in the second half i still thought sarah accused blew some opportunities because they were moving the ball somewhat um, and it was really penalties and things like that that, that really held them back. Um, although the defensive line did step up, started applying more pressure. Um, so, yeah, it was just really a, a kind of an odd game all around. It was ugly. It you know felt like a 9 a.m. game. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you come out and you're 8-0. You got to be happy with this, especially going into the bye week. Get these guys rested up, get the team refocused, you know, clear out DJ's head and, uh, you know, show up prepared to uh, in South Bend. Uh, in a week and a half uh, for Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, we we do want to fit in a bit of a midseason check-in to this episode, so we'll probably do a bit of an abbreviated Syracuse recap here, guys. Um, Maybe the direction I'd like to take us talking about this game is sort of like, what were some takeaways that you had from this game that are either, you know, validating some things you you think is, is happening on this team, signs of optimism, or things that you're like, no, these are new potential concerns. Um, I think we'll probably start with the quarterback play on the Clemson side with this. I want to ask you guys, like, you know, the big elephant in the room or the big discussion on all the 
college football podcasts and probably the, you know, talking head shows all week is like, Hey, Dabo might say he doesn't have a quarterback controversy that DJ is his guy, but does he really, is that really the case? Or, you know, is he, is his hand going to be forced to move it over to Kate Klubnik? Um, I think the question we should ask ourselves is like, you know, what's more of the anomaly here, the first two and a half quarters of this game or the first seven weeks of this season or six and a half weeks, if you want to call Georgia tech, a little bit of an, an anomaly for DJ in the first half. Um, so I'll ask you guys like, yeah, like what's, what's the real DJ? Is it what we saw this past Saturday for the first couple quarters, or is it more the body of work he's put together this whole season? I mean, I consider it more of a quarterback luxury than a quarterback controversy. You know, not many teams in the country have two quarterbacks then go out and win games with. Um, a lot of them don't even have one. Um, that being said, I think it's still very clear that Kate is not ready for the the spotlight. Um, they really limited, um, you know, what they let him do in the passing game. He was a little bit quick to get outside his blockers or not follow his blocks. Um, so there was definitely those freshman moments. What it did is... You know, it did spark the offense. He took care of the ball. They went a little bit more up-tempo, and the threat of him being able to run um, really made the defense, you know, have to focus on yet another part of the game, um, which opened up the inside running game for Phil Moffa and and Will Shipley. Um, so, yeah, as far as the, the the controversy part of it, I felt immediately coming out of that game that DJ was still going to be the starter. Dabo has since confirmed that, um, you know, based on his body of work this, this year, let's give the kid one game. Now, if we see this continue to happen, I think we do have some, some, you know, reason for concern. And I don't think, you know, I think maybe the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been at the same level he was during that, you know, uh, point of the season, you know, games three, four and five. Uh, so, but at the same time, the running game is picking up. The defense is playing better. So, you know, it, it's a fluid situation throughout this football team. You just want to see consistent improvement over the course of the season. I think DJ has stalled out a little bit. But if he can kind of come back and um, get back into that rhythm, he was there, you know, four or five games into the season, that I think will be just fine. Yeah, my thought was, you know, me and Jared had some hot takes. I'll try to continue with that this week a little bit. So one hot take is – Kate Klubnik did not play well. I would be terrified if he's our quarterback for the rest of the year. Hot take. Second hot take, I think DJ, if he stays in, we win all the same. So to that end, I'm actually surprised Dabo pulled him. I think David Hill wrote on in uh, a really good article, which I like David Hill, but he, he's maybe a little bit more critical of Dabo than he has been in recent years. Um, but he basically said everyone's questioned his quarterback. You know, Dabo says – David Hell mentions that Dabo says that everyone's been questioning his quarterback. And then David Hell also says, well, Dabo, apparently you were questioning your quarterback as well, or apparently you didn't trust your quarterback as well because you pulled him. So he's, he's kind of right. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. It, you know, DJ's played fairly well all year. I, like I said, that whole first quarter, he was fine. He was good. He just made some bad passes. Like he hasn't made a lot of bad passes all year. And it, it just so happened. They all happened at the same time. Uh, with that fumble, with the little Shipley fumble, which had nothing to do with DJ. So I, I don't know. I think they were a little, little quick to pull the trigger and nothing about, I'm sorry, nothing about Kate Klubnik in that first uh, series really made me think, well, he's part of the reason we're moving the chains. The reason we moved the chains was because their defensive line was not that good. Their linebackers weren't that good. This was a first first team we could really impose our will with, with the run game. 
And we did. And we would have done just the same with DJ in there. I, 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 I disagree think- somewhat with the fact that Cade being in there did not affect the outcome of this game uh, just because of the reason I mentioned of what he can do in the running game and the fact that he did pass just enough to have to keep the defense honest in that sense. It led to a more up-tempo style um, where we were getting back to the line of the scrimmage and we were pounding the inside running game with, with, with Shipley and Moffa. And yeah, you can do that with DJ in there, but the threat of him running or the escapability, which Cade did a couple of times, um, is just not there with DJ. I don't know how much stock to put into the stomping on the hand thing and how much that affected DJ because I felt like I saw him throw plenty of good passes um, after that, and it didn't immediately affect him on the next drive. Um, I think I it was did, his left hand. Ben, well, and, like and I, the, there was yeah. that. There was that one um, when we were going down there. We were driving to score, and DJ took the snap and went to throw and bobbled it. So bobbled it. Yeah. That was like one of the the times I really felt that that could have been affecting him. But like the the overthrow to Jake Brenningstool was not a hand issue, right? It was just a bad pass and bad recognition of, uh, of the safety. Right. Yeah, I think on the first interception, there might have been a, some miscommunication on the route. And uh, I think it was Ngata might have overrun his route and not been there for that ball. Um, that happened right in front of me in the stadium. Um, I want to go back to what you said about Klubnik, though, Cody. Um, I think Klubnik's threat of running, he's a different kind of runner than DJ. And I don't mean that just like from a stature perspective or his speed. He's obviously much quicker. They were running him and he was threatening on the outside, whereas DJ is a lot more of like a between the tackles runner kind of up the middle, which is something that Shipley and Mafa do. So I think just the wrinkle that um, Klubnik gives you is the defense then has to account for a little bit more of like a sideline to sideline potential runner. And I think that threat that he obviously put on display because he was doing some read option runs as design plays early on in his, his drives. Um, I think that is what opened things up for them that later will Shipley long 70 yard touchdown run. So I do think he gives you a little bit of a different look, um, you know, clearly not, a, not as capable a passer as able to read defenses and, you know, lead this entire offense just yet. Um, but I, I think if, you know, if he does need to get more snaps, you are going to see a little bit more of a dynamic running game from the quarterback position. So I'm not, I'm not totally spooked if for instance, Kate Klubnik does need to play a bit more coming up in these coming weeks. In fact, I almost welcome it in like the Louisville, Miami, South Carolina gauntlet, just, just in case, you know, um, I'm not just spooked. We need to see him play. I'm not spooked about those teams. Uh, maybe when we start getting into ACC championship uh, territory, or definitely the playoff, if we're having to rely on Cade at that point, he's not going to be ready to go up against teams like that. Um, so our best bet is for DJ to get back in there, bounce back, continue the improvement and progression we've seen um, all year long. I think to, to give us a shot at winning, and advancing in those situations. Yeah, totally. I guess I'm not that concerned coming out of this game that DJ is all of a sudden going to be throwing like two picks a game every game. Like, yeah, extenuating circumstances against Syracuse, like a couple of who knows what was going on, you know, on those two throws. I'm not super concerned about that. And he definitely hasn't put the ball on the ground this season so far, knock on wood. So um, just, yeah, a little bit of a weird Saturday is what I would chalk that up to. Well, and let's give credit to DJ for how well he handled that situation and his post-game comment saying that he should have been pulled and how much he was supporting Cade and how he was one of the first guys out, you know, fingers held up for that two-point conversion try after the, I think it was the the first 
the first touchdown, um, the failed two point conversion. Um, DJ still had his head in the game. Um, He said nothing. He said nothing but the right things and he said nothing but the right things all year. Um, So good on him for that. That means to to me, and we've stated this many times this year is that he is so much uh, in a much better mental headspace. It seems like this year, maturity wise, and just the way that he takes and deals with the criticism, which there has been a lot of. And so I think a lot of credit is due him on that. And that gives me more confidence that he will be able to shake this off and bounce back. Whereas last year, that was just, you know, you knew it was just going to keep snowballing and it wasn't going to continue to get better. It was obvious at a certain point in the season, it was not really going to improve that much. Yeah. It's strange that, like you said, Ben, you might be right. Uh, yeah. You know, I might have to retract a little bit of what I said. So you might've been right. There might've been a different energy with club Nick in and Coley, like you said, there might've been a, uh, an advantage in terms of just what club Nick offered in terms of being able to run. But it, it's strange that after that, in the aftermath of that game, with Club Nick getting the time that he did, usually, usually when something like that happens, that's the moment that your backup becomes your starter. They, he he rallies to win and, and he overtakes the starter, and it's clear. But it's strange that despite all of that, there's no question who the better quarterback is. And so, like, it, I I don't know, like you said, then maybe it doesn't shake his psyche, but I don't know. For me, that's a risky run after what happened last year, messing with DJ psyche. That's that was a risk. I, I think it's the right call. I think it, like hindsight tells us it was, but it's still something you have to take into it, into account. I think you have to look at the opponent as well. And, and is the situation that we were in, we knew we could run all over them. So just bringing Kate in was just going to open up that run game even more. If we're playing a team that is stuffing our run and we're going to have to rely on the past, I don't think you bring Kate in, in that situation. I think in this specific scenario, we knew we could push them around and run all over them. Having Kate in there with his legs was only going to open that up even more. So in that, in that instance, I think it was the right decision. I mean, Dabo needed a game manager in there who was not going to turn the ball over and like stuff was snowballing for DJ. So, yeah. So like, if you look at it like that, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing a bigger point here that Dabo actually had to make a very tough decision and he probably made the right decision. So maybe we should give him a lot of credit for making that call. And it, and it couldn't, couldn't have been easy because, of course, he's factoring in DJ's psyche and uh, after what happened last year and, and his confidence and not shaking that because he has been very good this year. Well, I, I think, think you're right to ask about giving, it, Cody. I think, I think it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, can it, any, other, or, any other points, guys, about – about the offense. I mean, I, I think we're starting to see some of the receivers establish themselves. Um, Bo Collins, I think was bracketed by Syracuse's best DB in this game. Um, he might've gotten some targets. I don't think he, he had any catches on the day. Might be wrong. I could check he the had stats. The, one, the pass interference call in the end zone, which was essentially going to be a de facto punt um, had it um, been intercepted there in the end zone. So um, yep. I don't remember any other targets. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ngata had, you know, he had the two point conversion catch. Uh, both he and Davis Allen went for 50 yards on three catches in this game. Um, Davis Allen, first drive of the game, right up the seam. You know, I tweeted at the time, like, it turns out the middle of the field is not lava. Like, great to see them using that. Um, didn't really go back to that too much in this game. Um, didn't really work the slants too much. I thought Antonio Williams had had a pretty solid game. But really, guys, on offense, this was all about the running game. Um, Will Shipley, workhorse, 27 carries was insane, went for a buck 72. 
Um, the two touchdowns, the 50 yard one was amazing. Um, he did have the fumble on the day. I thought Mafa had a really great game. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see against a pretty stout run defense in Syracuse, Clemson be able to impose their will throughout this game. Um, really imbalanced in terms of the the play calls. Uh, there were 60 runs on the day, 25 passes. A lot of that was like the game state. And you would think Clemson having an 11 point deficit, we would have been throwing the ball quite a bit. And we just, that was just not the case. Um, I think we knew we could get the job done on the ground and, you know, nice to see that sort of build up. I think once you got into the six high sixties, seventies and eighties in terms of play count, um, you really started to see Syracuse show some fatigue on defense and Clemson took advantage of that. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I think like across the board felt pretty good about the offensive play calling throughout the game. Um, just, you know, Brandon Streeter can't prevent turnovers. I think Ngata actually had a really good game. Um, I was impressed by him and the catches he made in this one, um, which gives me hope that maybe he's really um, maybe getting close to starting to achieve what we've all been wanting from him um, for a while now, for a couple seasons. Um, the Bo Collins situation is still, um, you know, it, it, it's still a little bit lacking with him and maybe is because they're putting their best cornerbacks on him. But, um, you know, he had a lot of hope for him last year. He had a decent start to the season, did struggle with some drops, but now it's just not getting open and not getting open is still kind of an issue with these wide receivers. So there's, there's still a lot of improvement and a lot of ways to go with the wide receiver position. I think from the running backs and the offensive line in particular, this game, um, there was a lot to love, but do we continue to see that type of success against teams that are better against the run? Now on our upcoming schedule, we don't really play anybody who's great against the run. Um, but as we get into playoff territory, postseason territory, that will change. All right, guys, it's pro probably a wrap here on the offense. I mean, Clemson putting up the 27 points. Uh, Cody, like you mentioned earlier, I feel like this team probably should have been in the the high thirties into the forties uh, just based on what they achieved on their drives early on in the game and came up, you know, with nothing. Um, so yeah, fairly, fairly fine offensive day, obviously some things to look for for the team to clean up in the turnover department, hoping to see some DJ confidence heading back to Notre Dame where he had a tremendous performance two years ago. Uh, ben, you and I are going to be there for that game too. Looking forward to that trip. So uh, Cody. yeah. Oh, Cody's there too. Awesome, man. That'll be good. Well, um, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Obviously, you know, the, the eyes of the world, the college football world will be on DJ for that game. But um, I think the three of us are probably pretty confident that he is the guy who's going to bounce back just fine. And um, Notre Dame does have a pretty stout defense. But, you know, I think I think we, we've definitely played as good, if not better defenses already this year. Come out just to, just fine. Definitely beat better teams. Why don't we flip it over to the defense? So guys, in this one, um, Syracuse did put up 21 points. I think obviously seven of those were scored by their their defense. Um, so just the 14 points from Syracuse's offense. Um, some of that you can credit to turnovers and short field. Um, they did come down on their, I think, second offensive series and score a touchdown. They were able to move it through the air um, and get Sean Tucker going a little bit on the ground. Uh, but really in this one, I thought this was just a... a Clemson exhibiting the strength of their defensive line um, and their linebacking core. You can call it the front seven. I thought really came to play, really showed up in this game. Um, 
and managed to, you know, I think control Syracuse's run pass option um, just by always crashing down on Tucker. Uh, great running back. Um, he was averaging 10, 10 yards of carry, as you mentioned earlier, Ben. Um, and really in those RPO plays, forced Schrader to keep it and forced him to beat them with his legs, which he was not ultimately able to do too much on the day. Um, I was a little bit surprised Syracuse did not make adjustments to force the ball to, into Tucker's hands um, just with their play design. Uh, but it, it's also something that I wonder if they were doing that, you know, would we, would we really have, you know, been burned too much by that? Um, I, I do think the team missed Barrett Carter in this game um, he, out for a concussion, which took place earlier on in the week, I think in practice. Um, so the team was able to practice most of the week, knowing they wouldn't have Carter going. Uh, it was just revealed to everybody the morning of the game. So um, I don't know, across the board, you know, I, I think Schrader is a solid quarterback. And I mean, we'll get to the last series coming up here because uh, I think that was a significant drive, obviously, for the outcome of this game. But um, I thought it was a tremendous day for the Clemson defense. How nice is it to have like everybody back and healthy? I know Barrett Carter was out. And yes, I do think we missed him because he's the guy that would normally spy the quarterback. Um, but, you know, with the defensive line, you're getting Brian Brisset back into shape. Xavier Thomas did not play a lot this game, just as he's getting back in, um, into the swing of things. But the secondary, um, just having guys back healthy, but also um, the all the experience the young guys got uh, when the you know upperclassmen, your, your starters were out earlier in the season, um, that helped them tremendously and has built tremendous depth in this secondary. And I thought they played a really good game um, in this one. You know, Malcolm Green was back in there sliding over the nickel to account for Barrett Carter being out. Um, it's just great seeing all those guys, you know, back on the field, Andrew Makuba being out there um, and playing well. So the secondary is no longer a weak spot on this defense, in my estimation. Um, and we're seeing this defense grow and continue to get better as the year has gone along. Whereas the offense has maybe taken a little bit of a dip after kind of a unexpected, um, hot start. I mean, at least hot, relatively speaking for them compared to last year, but I think the defense is definitely turning it on and the adjustments that are being made in halftime, uh, that we've seen several times this season, again, no points by Syracuse in the second half. Um, that is very encouraging, uh, especially considering we have Wes Goodwin uh, running the defense this year. Yeah, a lot's been written about him making adjustments in the NC State game, Florida State game, and then again against Syracuse. And of course, against Florida State late, we gave up some points that we probably shouldn't have. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a sign that we have uh, probably have a, a pretty good defensive coordinator. Um, I mean, he's as kind of as expected a guy that knows, knows the X's and O's, no scheme. Um, and the fact that you can make adjustments, I mean, that that's, that's a plus all that said, I'm not, I'm not considered that an emphatic, we can talk more about kind of season mid season uh, calibration, but I'm not, I'm not saying that, Hey, take your victory lap. You're, you're as good as Brent Venables. Um, that's just, it's a sign that he's, you know, he's, he's got some chops and um, I'd like to see from the beginning, not to be overly harsh on him, but I'd like to see him, install game plans that work from the first half as well. So he don't, he doesn't have to make, you know, such adjustments in the second half. Um, for me. Yeah. Ben, you mentioned the role that Malcolm green played. I think there's been some questions about him not really being able to get, find his way onto the field last season. And then early on this season too much. Um, he was held out for undisclosed reasons earlier in the year. I think folks were wondering, was that related to, 
the Fred Davis off the field incident incident last year that Malcolm Green turned out was involved in. Who knows? The guy I thought had played a good game filling in for Barrett Carter, three tackles on the game uh, for him. And just, I think, you know, you, you notice him a lot um, on the rewatch, just playing a role. Uh, but for me, the player of the game, I thought was Jeremiah Trotter. I think he had a, he was very disruptive in this game had um, I guess he only got credit for half of the tackle for loss. Uh, but that was such a critical one in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought he had he had an awesome game. He's really held down that mic position really well as a, a sophomore here, a true sophomore. Um, and then obviously, I mean, there's all the names up and down that defensive line. My favorite play of the game, I think, was the Brian Brzee just sack of Schrader plowed through, um, plowed through the defensive line pretty much untouched. Showed you that the flashes of I think what all Clemson fans were looking forward to when he came on campus. So uh, really great to see these guys get healthy to your point, Ben. And um, I mean, I haven't even mentioned the KJ Henry sack yet, which was like, like just so vintage compared to what Xavier Thomas did in 2019 against Syracuse. Um, I'm sorry, 2018 against Syracuse spitting image plays. Um, he even threw up the X uh, at the end of that sack. It was awesome. Who would have thought, you know, a couple of years ago or even last year at this point that KJ Henry would be our most consistent and effective defensive lineman throughout this season. I mean, congrats to that kid, you know, staying with it, um, you know, through, I mean, it was no adversity in the sense of like injuries and stuff like that. It was more just, you know, the game coming together for him. And it certainly has, and his attitude is, has been good. Um, and my player of the game would probably be Tyler Davis with the two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. I thought he had a really good game um, and just so great to see him stay healthy and on the field this year. And then, yeah, Brian Brisset, so he continues to get back into game shape. Um, you know, after that sack, when he was celebrating, I was like, he looks a little bigger than usual. So, but uh, yeah, that defense turned in, defensive line turned into a dominant performance in the second half here. Miles Murphy still has some work to do i would say um this time he held on too long to the quarterback uh there in the first quarter when he ripped uh face uh, mask off yeah yeah schrader's schrader's face mask uh helmet off but, the helmet um, off yeah yeah mm -hmm. i think all in all this defensive line as it continues to gel and it's so much depth there um it's, it's certainly I don't know if they've lived, I wouldn't say they lived up to our expectations this year because they were so high, but I can see them starting to get there. And you yeah, also got contributions like, sorry, Cody, like, you know, yeah. Justin Maskell had a really, really big play on the, on the day. Um, obviously RJ Mickens with the crucial interception, Wade Woodass had a, had a great play on the day. So I think Ben, you're right. We're starting to see that like upper echelon of talented guys, like come back from injury and really find their footing together but you're also getting either younger guys or maybe sort of the, more of the depth guys traditionally who are also coming in here and playing a role. Um, so it's just great to see. And yeah, we're only at this point of the season, but we've honestly played the better teams on our schedule, like four of the five last weeks for the most part. So um, I think the next three, really four with Notre Dame are going to be probably a little bit more, you know, a little bit of less like, less quality offensive opponent for these weeks. So it's just going to be, I think I'm expecting low, low point totals from the opposition really through the end of the regular season. Yeah. Ben, I think you hit on it earlier, like just health. 
all these guys and, and with, the, with the defensive line, like our expectations coming into the year, they were high. I guess what happens and you saw it with the power Rangers, it's like the, you know, each player getting better is a, is a rising tie for other players. So if Percy gets 20% better, it makes Tyler Davis 10% better. It makes Miles Murphy 10% better. I think that's kind of what happens. And then the health coming in, like Percy might, might be, a, might be a step slow, but he's starting to get his speed back. Um, we have the, we have the bye week. I'll be interested, like totally, I'll be interested, like you said, be interested to see what happens against Notre Dame. Not a great offense. These guys should be, I, I know it's on the road, but they should be up to play this game. So it could be, Jared said it last week, like, you know, how the team ends up peaking at the right time. This could be a situation where health with of the, the secondary with Malcolm Green and uh, and Sheridan Jones, which it has been such a, a, a bright spot for the, for the defense. It's amazing what just a sure-handed, reliable, uh, cornerback can do for one one whole side of the field um and we have that for in, in on two sides of the field now but um yeah i think like the defense has a chance to really peak down the uh the home stretch yeah i think it's about time for them to step up and carry this football team whereas the offense kind of lended themselves more to that role at the beginning of the season as they were overcoming the injuries on the defensive side of the ball and that's going to take some pressure off dj if teams you know maybe aren't um scoring quickly early in games like you said cody if west goodwin can make those those adjustments coming into the game to prevent that from happening um but yeah i can i i can i i think we continue to see an upward trajectory here on the defensive performance again guys are going to get better throughout the season the younger guys are going to get better these guys are getting back into game shape it's only going going to improve and we've played the most dynamic offenses that we are going to see uh, this year it's not Notre Dame it's not Louisville even though they have Malik Cunningham uh, Miami's going to turn the ball over eight times um, and then you got Spencer Rattler in South Carolina like that doesn't scare anybody um, so yeah let's see this defense improve I totally agree Cody I think they're going to come out swinging um, Notre Dame especially with the week off ahead of time that comes at a really great time so really excited about how it's all coming together on that side of the ball defense is solid it's good to see um Special teams, believe it or not, uh, played a played a key role in this game. You know, those six points were from BT Potter were the difference in the game. Uh, Sure-footed, forty-four yard field goal. Um, so solid from BT. You know, hit repeat happens every week. Um, Aiden Swanson, though, guys, couple of fifty-plus yard punts on the day. You know, Clemson wasn't punting very much. Typically, when we were given the ball back, it was through a turnover. But uh, he flipped the field for sure on those. And that definitely helped solidify that second half, uh, just in terms of when, Cle when Clemson did stall, flip that field, give it back to a ferocious defense. Um, that worked out really well. And both inside the 20, I mean, booming punts, both being down inside the 20, really telling stat looking at that though, he only had two punts on the day. What does that tell you? Like, um, you know, it's a reflection of the turnovers. We were either turning the ball over or scoring. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, um, how about in the return game? I mean, yeah, Antonio Williams back. Um, I think it's definitely the right call. He had that great um, return in this game where he changed, uh, you know, changed direction. Will Taylor did have one, one return that was good. I mean, he hung in there, took some hits and at least moved the ball forward. But I think moving forward that Antonio Williams is definitely your guy there. Um, yeah. I do want to call out, um, Oh, well, Will Shipley returning kickoffs. I know you guys have kind of been against that. Um, 
here early in the season saying, why do you put your superstar running back back there? But I, I think you have to. I think we need to hit in all facets of the game. This is not a Clemson offense of years past where you say just get the ball, uh, protect it, and we'll go down the score. That's not the case this year. So I, I like having Shipley back there. Um, last thing I'll say on special teams, the Syracuse punter's name is Maximilian von Marburg. It's a great name. Solid. Sounds like a designer. Of handbags. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Clemson victorious, I think held on to the number five ranking in the country, despite beating its third, you know, top 15 at the time opponent. Um, guys, I don't think Syracuse dropped really at all from this loss. Like two um, spots. I think people, yeah. They're, they're giving them a lot more credit for keeping this close and um, that's fine with me. I mean, so much blowback on Twitter and on just throughout Clemson nation um, based on comments from people like Joel Klatt or Heather Dinich, just about how fraudulent they see Clemson as, and they think we'd be, you know, third place in the big 10 East or the sec East. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I, I encourage everyone to go listen to William Quackenbush's uh, rants that he has. You can check out their podcast on SoundCloud, um, from WCCP, the drive is that that's the call sign for the radio station. I think. Essentially, you know, you look at other teams ahead of Clemson and you can have just as many questions about them. Tennessee needed overtime to beat Pitt. Bama was down to their last play against a shitty Texas A&M team. And who else did they need to escape from? Texas. Who well, and they lost to a team who needed overtime to beat Pitt, you know? 100%. So who knows about the SEC powers? Ohio State and Michigan – Clemson would be easily undefeated against their schedule. And I'm sure, you know, Clemson style, if anyone hasn't learned this by now, is not to run it up. We're going to find wrinkles of the game to work on. And yeah, maybe we wouldn't have the margin of victory over the same schedule those guys played. I'm looking forward to the Notre Dame game because that is a common opponent that Ohio State had they struggled with in the first week of the season. So we'll we'll have to see how Clemson's offense fares against that D. But in my mind, like, there's really no good way to compare these teams against one another. Um, but I think Clemson's done more than enough to prove that it, it belongs in this conversation as a worthy playoff team. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Cause Cody, I know you like to pull the string on, you know, how much outrage we should have on this. No, I, 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 I my only uh, gripe is I, let's have the conversation. Let's don't just default to Clemson is not as good as Ohio state or Michigan let's like you did a good analysis right there. Totally. If, uh, you know, ever, like maybe you're paraphrasing William Quackenbush, everyone's had their issues. So like, right. you know, what's your basis for saying Clemson's fraudulent. And can you also apply that to Michigan, Ohio state, Georgia, or Alabama? And you could, um, I, I think we all agree though. We'll talk about this later, but I think we all agree. Clemson has its flaws. They're not a playoff or a championship team yet, but it's just like, you know, just consistency in how you're, you're determining fraudulent, teams that's all we ask i mean michigan gets a 41 17 win over penn state this past weekend penn state only drops three spots penn state is a totally fraudulent team in my mind um i don't think they're they're nearly that good is you know what their ranking would suggest um and that's michigan's first top 25 um the opponent that they played this year i think that um wake forest syracuse and 
North Carolina State with a healthy Ryan Finley beat Penn State. Evan Leary. Whatever. Was that the other quarterback, quarterback. from years ago? That yep. Was same. Whatever. Russell All Wilson. A quarterback. Rivers. <laughs> no, I agree with you, Ben. Leary. I mean, right. Penn State would lose to all three of those teams, I feel like. So, yeah, I mean, and, and Michigan did what they, what they needed to do, right? They handled that team, and the, the score in the first half should have been a wider margin. Um, you know, so you can't blame Michigan for their schedule. I mean, we've talked about that in years past with Clemson. Can't Bakes, you know, blame Clemson on how bad the ACC has been in recent years outside of this year. Um, so they've done what they had to do. I just don't think there's – um, you know, it hasn't been a good, you know, barometer, uh, for, for them yet this year, because they haven't really gone up against anybody, uh, substantial. Now they got Michigan state this weekend at home. Is that going to tell us anything? Uh, maybe if it's a close game, if it's a blowout, it doesn't really tell me anything. Um, and they got at Rutgers and home against Nebraska. Now to end the season, the end at home against Illinois, who's ranked 17th right now and at number two, Ohio state. So. Um, that's going to work itself out because those teams have to play each other. So that's why, you know, and we say this every year, don't worry about the rankings at this point in the season still. You know, the college football playoff rankings will what start coming out next week, maybe. It's after like the ninth game. Yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, this coming Tuesday, November 1st. This com- will be the okay, first. this coming, yeah, okay, this coming, this coming week. So it'll yeah. all play itself out. Um, I think what's, I think what Joel Klatt's doing, he works for Fox. Fox gets all the Big Ten games. Like, they want to see a world where Michigan can lose to Ohio state and still make the playoff. And we've heard, you know, we've seen this in the sec, they've gotten multiple teams in before, but I don't care. Like a one loss Michigan should not get into the playoff over an undefeated Clemson. Because I don't like, what will Michigan's best win be at the end of the season? If they lose to Ohio state, like Penn state, they're dog shit. If there's four undefeated Power Five conference champions, then a one-loss team doesn't get in. If there's five, then you just have to make a you know a decision based on body of work and an eye test, which yeah, I think is we doable, might lose that. But, but now, but knows. also history tells us that we're not going to have a you know a ton of you know a, a handful even of undefeated teams at the end of the season. Like this is going to work itself out. Yeah, what was 20, 2016 when we lost to Pitt and all of us were down in the dumps? Um, Michigan lost and then Washington lost same day. Like that was that was the second to last game of the season, wasn't it, guys? Like it was late November. It wasn't. Yeah. It was in November. I don't know if it was a second to last game. Uh, I think second or right. third to last. Yeah. So, anyway, either way, uh, there's plenty of season for the, this stuff to iron itself out. Um, I think Syracuse has some staying power though. Like they play Notre Dame this weekend. I think the rest of their schedule is fairly manageable for the most part. I mean, I do think guys though, they acquitted themselves pretty well in this game. Like coming in, we were like, Oh, who have they played on the road? UConn. And like, you know, they, they, for the most part had a home schedule, um, NC state, they beat in, in Syracuse at the dome. They are going to play wake. That's going to be an interesting game coming up. Um, that's one to circle and we should probably tune into that whichever week that is. Um, but yeah, I think Syracuse will probably remain ranked. I think wake is going to remain ranked. Like Clemson's going to have some quality wins. I think that Tuesday show this week is going to be amazing. Like just to see where the, 
committee stack ranks and calibrates these teams. We know they like to rank teams that are going to be able to get quality wins and move up. Like they like to do that to see you prove it. I could see Clemson honestly starting out in like the number two or three position. Um, just because they know we've we've played the best games on our schedule. Well, and it doesn't even matter then. I mean, the first college football playoff ranking ever, like Mississippi State was number one. Ole Miss was in there. How did that work out then for the end of the season? You know, um, yep. uh, looking back, that pit game was the third to last game of the regular season. Um, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think we played awake. Do you remember how that. many yards passing Deshaun Watson had in that game? 580. Five, yeah. Like that, maybe that another five. Yeah, another three interceptions though. Five eighty or five oh eight. Five eighty, but three interceptions, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, another fun fact from this Clemson game, I guess we did not have four turnovers to zero turnovers for Clemson. It was four to one, but I think Clemson's something like five and zero all time when we have four turnovers in a game under Dabo. Did that usually not the case? So does that? Um, Klubnik two point conversion. Did they end up intercepting that, or did they drop? Did they call that an interception in the end zone? Does that count as an interception? No, I don't believe so. It's like an unsuccessful try if they get tackled, right? Because it's not like they take possession where that guy runs it out, it's just but like you a can dead run play. it back for two points, right? But if you don't, it's a dead play. I don't know, the other guy caught then the you kick it, yeah. Good, good for that guy. <laughs> yeah, why don't we move it on? I mean, Cody, I feel like you and Jared actually did a pretty good mid, mid-season mid check-in last week, but Ben and I weren't on that show, so it doesn't count. So here we are talking about it this time. Guys, um, if you're going to talk about it, just bring the hot takes. That's all that me and Jared ask. Of course. Um, I mean, I want to ask you guys, let's do just like a quick around the horn on – how would you grade maybe like, I don't know. Like I want, I want to like maybe hand out some grades here and give an opportunity for us to like eat crow, pat our, ourselves on the back for what we said would happen. Um, and just mostly talk about like how you've recalibrated your ceiling or floor for this team and what we think the, you know, the outcome of this, of this season could be. And I think I'll speak for all of us when I say, we feel like it's playoff or bust right now for this team. And that was not the case in August. I think in August, we're like, hey, let's let's get back to competing for the ACC title. I think we were hopeful and confident we could get get an ACC title again. But um, I think the playoff was probably like, ah, we see some landmines on this schedule. And I think that is recalibrated. It has for me, at least, to where I expect this team to go undefeated now through the first 13 games, you could call it. And... Um, after that, I don't know. I mean, after that, I think it's really going to be about how much this defense can gel and how much DJ and the wide receivers can get back on the same page. Uh, but for me, yeah, winning a playoff game, like depending on the matchup, that's also something I could see happening. Yeah. It, it's so funny going back and thinking about what you were thinking about before the season started, because if you asked all of us, we would have looked at the schedule and been like, well, Notre Dame, ABNC state. Completely right. out the window. I mean, you got Wake right. Forest, NC State. You know, NC State did pull off the victory tonight by one over Virginia Tech, but again, their quarterback's out. Um, and then Syracuse undefeated. Nobody saw that coming. And now Notre Dame is um, nothing what we thought they would be. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Um, 
I would have thought coming into this season, uh, because I was not on that preview show, um, that it was a more than likely ACC championship game appearance. Um, and if we got there, pretty good chance for us to win because I didn't think the Coastal was going to be that good. Um, Miami, just you need to see it first before you believe it. And, well, we've seen it. Um, I, I, I would not have predicted us going to the playoffs. Um, now, at this point in the season, I think it would definitely be a disappointment if we didn't win the ACC, period, flat out. Like, that should be the expectation at this point. As far as the playoffs are, are concerned, right now I would predict that Clemson, um, that, that Clemson uh, is out in the semifinal and does not advance to the national championship game. I don't think in general this, this team uh, right now is a national championship contender. Um, I think next year is looking amazing um, with everybody we have returning on the, on the defense. And there may be some surprise returns that we weren't expecting, you know, considering how things have gone this year. I think the offense is going to be a lot better, um, no, no matter who the quarterback is. Um, but I would say right now I see this as a semifinal loss for Clemson unless, unless the offense can get back to showing some consistency and improvement over these remaining games, but we would need to see it out of them. And even then I might take that with a grain of salt, considering the strength of the defenses we have left on the schedule. Well, you want to go? No, you, you go for it, man. Um, calibrating the team. I, I mean, we talked about it, like you said last week, but, uh, I still feel like Ben, it's it's playoff. I mean, obviously it's playoff or bust now. The question is, are we fraudulent? And I mean that just from the standpoint, will we get blow out? Will we get blown out in the semifinal game? And I don't think so. It's such a weird place to be in after the Syracuse game with with DJ getting benched. But the one thing that you have to based off the beginning of the year, we thought that I thought the defense was going to be excellent. And they they haven't been. And a lot of that has to do with injury. If, if Brian Brissy, and not even just like he hasn't been out injured, he just hasn't been 100%. As he moves to 100%, the defensive line gets better. And like it's exponential how much better you get once that happens. Factor in the cornerbacks, who I had no idea how bad a, a, a how bad your defense could be based off of cornerback play. And then that Wake Forest game happened. Like, wow, this is really bad. That's been shored up. Barrett Carter and the line, Barrett Carter will get back. The linebackers will get better. I just think. The defense has like a really high ceiling. And and on top of that, here's a little uh, trump card or X factor that we haven't had in the last few years. I think our defense, our, excuse me, our offensive coordinator is better. I think he's better. And I think he has more weapons and more diversity of weapons. So I think well, he can bring a lot to a playoff game and say what you want about DJ, but I think he, he has the ability to execute. All while the offensive line is actually improving too. So I think, I don't think we would be expected to win a playoff game, but I think it's possible. The, the pieces are in place. We just need good health. And uh, hopefully DJ's head is in the right place right now. Yeah, I, I would totally, I would yeah. totally agree with that, Cody. I think our ceiling would be a national championship game appearance and hopefully keeping that close. I don't see any world in which right now that we win a national championship this year. I know you can say, well, Georgia did it last year with a subpar quarterback in Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that, that comparison. I think um, the, the playoff, uh, call it lineup of teams this year is better than Michigan and Cincinnati 
as the three, four seed last year. Yeah. Well, right? I think there's more parity in college football in general. And I don't think there's one completely dominant team, even Georgia, who I thought all season deserves to be the number one ranked team in the country. I, they're beatable. Everybody that I see up there is beatable. There's not yeah, two so teams that are just going to blow everybody away. This could be the most entertaining uh, semifinal round uh, in, in the playoff era. Well, let me, t- let me use that to pivot us to talk a little bit about the midseason check-in. I mean, are, do you think that there are like yet wrinkles that coaching staff on both sides of the ball have not yet introduced that, you know, could help elevate this Clemson team to a place where you're like, oh, whoa, we got that going now. Like that, that could be interesting here going into the playoff. If we get it working. Um, I'll throw one out. How about Will Shipley in the passing game? We haven't really seen too much of that thus far getting him outside. What does that do? I mean, that's not going to just transform this offense, but um, it's something we haven't put on film yet. And I think we were talking about that coming into the year. I think that maybe and use of more of the tight ends. I mean, we, we have used them at times. Um, yeah. But really, if we're relying on that, I just want to see the wide receivers get more consistent. Yeah, it's like explosiveness. Like that's what's lacking here. And we get it in pockets from Shipley on, you know, big runs or like inconsistently in the passing game. I think it's finding finding enough to generate those plays throughout games. Uh, ben, I think you've already alluded to it. We're probably going to end up seeing that once we get into the Louisville, Miami, South Carolina stretch of the schedule. How translatable that ends up being against the defense like Georgia or a defense like Michigan. Those are two of, I think, the the better defenses we would face in a playoff semifinal. Um, I think if you play, you face Ohio state or Alabama or um, Tennessee, like those are prone defenses that you can take advantage of. The problem is on the other side of the ball, those are very dynamic offenses with a lot of talent at wide receiver. So, or in the case of Alabama at running back, who's insanely good. So um, different Different challenges presented by the potential matchups that you face. The schedule sets up really well for us. I mean, we have the the last road game is at Notre Dame. That comes with a bye week before it. And then we rattle off three home games against Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina, all teams that we should beat easily. Um, so that could get the team into a groove. And then you go into Charlotte with a lot of momentum, get a big win there. Then get a month off to practice and rest up. And Charlotte's going to be North Carolina, like barring some craziness in the coastal, which does happen. Like, I think it's going to be North Carolina. They're like the prohibitive favorite to win the coastal. Their defense sucks, but they are going to give you a potent offensive look that depending on the playoff matchup could be a good, a good test for this Clemson D. I mean, North Carolina's only played three conference games. Um, they've got Wake Forest and NC state left on their schedule. Um, it's at Wake Forest, home against NC State. Um, now, who could challenge them? I don't know. Everybody yeah, else they have has the head-to-head head against Duke. Yeah, they have I mean, the head-to-head already against Duke. Watch so. out for Georgia Tech. Like, they're coming. Oh, God. They're that second Georgia in the Tech coastal UVA, right That UVA-Georgia Tech game last week should have come with a disclaimer, some type of warning for how bad it was. I mean, it, it was just what you would expect out of Thursday night football, like in the NFL, right? Pretty much. Um, I guess, guys, from a defensive standpoint, I don't think there's wrinkles. I think health, Cody, you said it. Like, that's the 
that's what this defense can do to get better is just get more consistency of its guys elevating their play because they're getting healthy and, you know, getting a little bit, a step faster, like all of that stuff. So um, pretty simple from that end. Well, I think that's where if we can put some points up on some teams early and start to pull away and with, with the first team defense, prevent them from scoring early, that then you can start giving some guys, you know, a rest and cycling in some more of the younger players to continue to build depth that a limits your potential for injury. And it also, if you have somebody go down, you, you, you have built that depth and experience there much like we did in the secondary earlier in the season. So I think that is going to be a key component to look for over these last three games. We don't want to be playing a lot of close games, especially against the schedule that we have left. Um, so that would be the thing that I'm looking for. And a large part of that is going to have to do with how well the offense performs from here on out. I'm not really expecting big margins, Ben, big leads. I think that the coaching staff's just going to cycle those guys in either way, even if the game's still pretty close on the scoreboard, just as, as it's, it's been throughout the season, but I hope you're right. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to be South Carolina by a cockload. Be nice. Are you rooting for South Carolina, Ben, up until when we play them? Would you like them to beat Tennessee before playing us or Florida before playing us? It I don't doesn't, know it doesn't matter. They beat um, they beat Kentucky without their quarterback. They beat AM without their quarterback, right? And AM's a dumpster fire, anyways. Like it's it's fraudulent. South Carolina's a fraudulent top 25 team. Like it doesn't like it, they will not be ranked by by the time we get to that point. I mean, they're at Florida and and playing Tennessee. You're probably right. Cody, I I would not like to face Tennessee. Like, do I think we could score on their defense? Absolutely, I do. But that offense, like, yeah, the defense is Clemson's strength, but I don't want anything to do with that offense coming in and playing us. So, yeah, it's insane. I'm cool if they drop some boneheaded loss to Kentucky this week or to South Carolina or you know, they do play Georgia. Like if they get two losses, they're out. So yeah, down with UT. They're playing Georgia. Uh, next, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah. In Athens. That yeah. is. You're going to see what a really good defensive line can do to a team that plays with pace. No, I'm not or, because we're going to be in Notre us. Dame. What's that? We're going to be in South Bend. So you're not going to watch it. I imagine that's going to be considering we that's have the, the three thirty game. game. Yeah, well, it hasn't been set yet, but I imagine okay. that'll be the SEC Network three thirty game, or yeah. the SEC on CBS three thirty game. CBS game. We'll we'll get to watch it, guys. I'm not too worried. Um, all right. Any 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 other thoughts on kind of the mid season check in? I mean, we've talked a lot about DJ. I think he's exceeded expectations. We knew coming into the season there were some some circumstances that led to his play last year. Uh, some of that could have been just a confidence situation. Some of it was offensive line consistency. Some of it was receiver talent and health. A lot of those things have improved this year, but DJ also has improved. I think he's stepped up footwork and accuracy, um, you know, vision and, and making reads. He's not perfect. I think he's he's definitely left a lot of touchdowns on the field. Uh, by not recognizing a receiver streaking open and hitting him. Um, and that's cost Clemson. You know, it, it definitely has thus far. He's not a perfect quarterback yet. Uh, but I, I got to say, like, hats off to the guy. And we're, we're in a much better spot than I thought we'd be at quarterback by this point of the season. So 
that's definitely a, a positive. And was that fumble by DJ the first time this season we haven't converted points in the red zone? Yes, that's right. It was like a hell of a way to break that streak was to uh, technically points were scored, Ben. So it depends how you look at it, but <laughs> not by us. Wrong so, team. Yeah. Hey, but 38 it's, ACC uh, like home wins. Winning in a row. streak. Yeah, home wins broke the ACC record all time held by FSU. If we had not lost to Pitt in 2016, we would now be tied with Miami's team that went from 1985 to 1994 for like the biggest streak all time so screw you nathan peterman still the biggest the longest win streak in the country right now yeah you you don't win that many games in a row right now without having a solid football team so um it's good stuff but yeah i guess um last parting thoughts too i mean i don't really know if you could go around the football team this year and really talk too much about disappointment Cody, you did say the defense we were expecting to be excellent and they have not been that. I think there's a valid reason for that in the form of injury of these players. I mean, you could probably nitpick and go, go down the, the roster and pick out guys like, you know, Fred Davis. You'd expect more of him as in his third year on the team by now as a five-star coming in. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think Fred Davis is the reason why you would like lower the ceiling on this defense at all. So I think for the most part, you know, to have two brand new coordinators coming in and to get this level of play out of this team speaks to the culture, speaks to the quality of those coordinators. Again, neither of these guys are perfect, but I'm pretty happy with the job that they've done so far. We, we don't know what they're, what they're like in a playoff situation after they have six weeks of preparation. But I tend to, I mean, based off of what I've seen, based off the creativity and the play calling, and some people may disagree with that with Brandon Streeter, but I think he's shown that he's he's willing to be creative. He's willing to mix it up. He's willing to use personnel, uh, different formations, different personnel, different packages. I've liked it. I, I'm confident going into a, a playoff matchup. There's going to be enough wrinkles. I don't know what those will look like. Maybe uh, maybe we'll involve the nine receiver for the first game and like your know, first time in like three weeks. But um, for for the defense, I mean, I I think. Wes Goodwin, I, I tend to like our our chances with him taking what six weeks or whatever it is, five weeks to prepare. I, I think I I would like, I don't know. I'm sure he played a big role in that preparation in years past. So I think he kind of knows what he's getting into. And I think I think they say he's a you know defensive whiz. So I like I like our chances. Well, and we haven't talked enough about that. The you know, to be sitting here at eight no after the season we had last year, after undergoing the, the the most amount of coaching change that we've seen under the dab in the Davos Sweeney era um, to be sitting here undefeated eight no number five in the country um, with all these new guys coaching as well I mean that's it's a pretty big testament to the job that the coaching staff has done I think hats off to Dabo it seems to have worked thus far the hiring from within so still on the fence about Tyler Grisham <laughs> And CJ Spiller. I feel fine with running backs. <laughs> Recruiting. And give it time. Give it time. Yeah. Um, I disagree with you both on that. Well, your internet cut out, so. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, uh, yeah, 8-0 season thus far. You know, all the goals ahead of us. Been a pretty fun season, I got to say. We really needed that coming off of what last year felt like. We're spoiled as fans. You know, let's savor this era. Enjoy these next few weeks. Football season's flying by. Um, We get a nice bye week here, guys. I'm probably not going to watch too much college football this weekend. There's some, like it's Ohio State, Penn State, whatever. K-State, is it K-State, Oklahoma State? I think that might be a decent game, but, um, you know, good chance, I guess, for Clemson fans to check out the national landscape, watch some potential playoff hopefuls um, get down to action. But um, I don't know. We're kind of sandwiched here between uh, the Notre Dame trip, went to Clemson last week. So um, plenty, I mean, November is really prime time for college football season. We're starting to get the playoff rankings. So it's going to be good to start to see jockeying for position. Um, But yeah, feeling Feeling good about Clemson's prospects right now. Um, Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio State at Penn State. I still, I think that'll kind of reinforce what I mentioned earlier about Penn State not being as good as perception um, is for them. So I look for a blowout there. If they keep it close, then I think that says more about Ohio State because, you know, whatever the outcome is, it's going to, um, I'm going to make it appear like it supports my argument. <laughs> totally. well, the, the media will do the opposite, Ben. So they, they, they work in narratives too, right? Yeah. Kentucky, Tennessee. What do you – yeah, that, I mean, I think that's going to be a clear Tennessee victory. But they got – like that's the kind of game that if you want to elevate your program, yeah, good, you beat Alabama. you got to win that game against Kentucky. And, right? our, and is Tennessee looking ahead to Georgia the following week? Possibly. I mean, they should have at least one eye on it because that's a big one. But yeah, um, in a way, though, Ben, like Tennessee, if they lose to let's say they beat Kentucky and then they lose to Georgia, unless Georgia like paces them, they're going to be that one loss team. You know, I think they're going to be a, in a pretty good position to sneak into the playoff if there's a lot of other teams with losses on the schedule. So in a sense, that Georgia game doesn't really matter for them too much. Obviously, they want to win it. They want to win the SEC East. They want to be undefeated and make sure they get to the playoff. But um, I don't know. I think this Kentucky game does matter a lot. They should not be looking ahead. Uh, I, I, think, I, I think a one loss. Right. Um, I think if Tennessee loses to Georgia and then loses to them again, um, well, they, they wouldn't. Play they couldn't lose. They wouldn't go to the SEC championship game. So I don't see that happening. I don't think. I know what happened to Alabama, but Tennessee is in Alabama. Um, That's so right. I don't That's see that happening. Point. Plus, they've got a big road matchup at number twenty-five, South Carolina, which ought to be a really tough one. So then maybe they, they lose two. Being sarcastic. Yeah. Um, what do you guys make of TCU? So they're undefeated. They're they weren't shit before this year. Four and zero in the Big Twelve, Big Twelve, whatever. But um, I don't know. I mean, they could they could spoil the party, right? They beat Oklahoma State. I just learned they were in Fort Worth. Yeah, they beat four ranked teams in a row. One of those being Oklahoma, who's no longer ranked. One of those being Kansas, who after losing their quarterback is not going to be ranked anymore. I don't think they are. Um, they beat Oklahoma State. Um, which was a good win. Um, they beat Kansas State, which I, you know, Kansas State is like top ten killers, so that was a good win. 
Um, and yeah, but Adrian Martinez is out favorably, for that game. but they are they are in Austin at Texas, and Texas is much better than their non-ranking would suggest. You know, they played Oklahoma State close, who's a top ten team. Um, they lost Ewers there for a while in the middle of the season, or after the sorry, the first game of the year against Alabama. Um, they're five and three. I think they're a better team than that. They're going to have a chance yeah. to prove themselves in a couple of weeks at number 22, Kansas state ahead of TCU at home. So that's a stumbling block. And you know what? The big 12 always finds a way to, to yeah. see their way out if they can. Yep. Yeah. They're just an interesting team in that they're undefeated thus far and, you know, could be right there at the end. Um, Oregon is another team. They got one loss. It was to Georgia, like, there's not, they got their ass kicked. Right. But over time, like people are going to start to forget about that. If, if the ducks can continue to run the table, um, they're going to be a team to watch for. Again, I think there's going to be too many either undefeated or just one loss, like dominant power conference, like big 10 or sec champs that it mu- it's going to be a tall task for Oregon to run the table and then get into the playoff. But um, if you start to see a little bit of chaos this month, like Bo Nix definitely looks like a solid quarterback at this point, which is crazy to say. Um, Oregon's another team that maybe you can, you can see advancing. Well, you they can also, a good UCLA team. You can also trust the Pac-12 to Pac-12, right? Um, and they would more than likely at this point either have to go back up against um, UCLA in the Pac-12 championship game or USC, potentially Utah, depending on how things shake out. Um, so I, there's a loss in there somewhere for them and they still got Utah on schedule. Right. Um, cool. Well, you know, there's some games on, uh, very few weeks left. We're here coming into week nine already. So, you know, got to enjoy it. A couple games on tonight. I, I like the Thursday football, college football stuff, guys. I don't much care for the NFL. So. Um, it was good to watch a little bit of that NC State Virginia Tech pillow fight and Utah. And the second half really on. came alive with the scoring in that game. And Utah and, and Washington State are, are close right now. Um, two and a half minutes left in the fourth. Utah's up by four with the ball. So they are driving, probably about to seal that game. But uh, yeah. Yep. I mean, Tom Brady lost again tonight. I wonder what he threw or broke or we have uh yelled at. Go ahead, Cody. So the Jaguars are playing on Sunday, early, early morning our time. Travis Etienne is now the starter and he's doing big things. Uh, very excited to watch him. He's he's doing some things in the NFL that he did in college, which I th- I thought it would I thought his speed would translate, and so far it has. Yeah, yep. and you know, coming off of missing all of last year. Um, with what that was an ACL, right? Yeah, sometimes football players come back better after ACLs. Don't know why it's a mystery. Deshaun Watson beat South Carolina with a torn ACL. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good place to end it, guys. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in. Really fun to be doing the podcast this season. Check us out on our YouTube channel, we publish videos of our podcast over there. Uh, people seem to like that. So check it out, youtube.com slash podcast. You can obviously also subscribe to the pod through your favorite podcasting app or platform. Um, please also leave us a five-star review. It really helps us to get discovered. 
We appreciate that. You know, continue to distribute this podcast. Um, we appreciate the loyal listens. I got to chat with a couple of listeners out at the game. Uh, we met Rob from Ireland. Shout out to Rob, very loyal listener. It was great, good time to meet him um, and hang out in Clemson at the SO Club. Um, also shout out to the Philadelphia Clemson alumni group, hung out with their leadership team um, down at the game as well. And that was really cool. So uh, yeah, great to engage with our fans. We obviously have social media, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Um, appreciate appreciate all the engagement we've had over the years. Um, guys, we, we got some more football up this season. Yeah, it's good to be undefeated at this point in the year and um, have potential playoffs to look forward to. So all is back to normal in the college football world for the Clemson Tigers for now. Awesome. Well, we will be back. Uh, probably take a break next week with the bye week. Um, we'll see. See if Jarrett wants to get back on the show and talk about anything. But um, worst case, we will do a Notre Dame recap heading into ahead of the Louisville game and then continue on through the rest of the season. So um, thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers.